Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Super Sleuths Book One The Pirate's Plunder by E.M. Clark. Read by Lexi. Chapter Six Cousins at Red Cove. Later that day, three children, a parrot, and a disgruntled looking widow Hanlon, who had arrived with all the luggage, boarded the Golden Ram, finally ready to set off for Red Cove. As they marched on deck, they sang cheerily. A sailor went to see, 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 to see what he could see, 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 but all that he could see, 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 was the bottom of the deep blue sea, see, see. Widow Hanlon raised her eyes to heaven. Being on a boat is bad enough, but this'll feel like a very long voyage if yous carry on singing that ditty she remarked dryly, at which point, of course, the sleuth launched into an even louder rendition, muttering crossly about disobedient children and irritating sea shanties, Widow Hanlon made her way below decks. All aboard, Captain Jet yelled. Aye, aye, Captain, the children responded, their voices whipped away by a vigorous wind which had started blowing. Anna had zoomed off to fly above the boat in the slipstream with the gulls and other seabirds. Let's go and see the quartermaster and check on the provisions, said Zelly. Yes, let's, agreed Zav. Captain Jet's sailing straight off from Redport after he's dropped us off, so there will have to be plenty of supplies to keep the men fed and watered. The children scurried along the deck, dodging sailors, hauling up huge sails and waving at any of the men they knew. They even spotted Hector, the cabin boy, very high up, scaling the rigging and swinging between sections effortlessly, like an acrobat performing to an invisible crowd. The sailors sang as they worked, heaving their cumbersome ropes and equipment to the steady beat. There were rats, rats, big as blooming cats, in the stores, in the stores, in the stores. There were rats, rats, as big as blooming cats, in the quartermaster's stores. The children joined in, stamping, clapping and singing just as loudly and raucously as any sailor. We'll have a rat as big as a blooming cat, please, quartermaster, Zav declared when they reached the stores. However, he had to make do with a traditional shipboard meal of biscuits and dried meat, which was so tough you had to suck at it to make it at all chewable. How about a spot of that there rum, me hearty? suggested Milo, hopefully. Oh, get away with you now, scolded Widow Hanlon affectionately, and the quartermaster roared with laughter, the tears running down his wind-ravaged cheeks. Captain Jet soon entered the storeroom, ducking under the low beam and unrolling a big yellowed map of heavy parchment. Here's our route, he explained, tracing it with a fingernail. We'll head out to the bay by the lighthouse at Fairlight and then along the coconut coast. We'll go past Lookout Point to Redport. It dates back for hundreds of years and us sailors have always used it as a safe port for trade. Why does the map stop there? asked Milo curiously, pointing to a blank section just above Red Cove. For the simple reason that there are no maps of the north, Captain Jet replied seriously. And there's even more pirate activity around there because of that, not to mention the offshore islands and mangroves which provide perfect camouflage. 
It's a wild spot. Perfect place to hide a bit of pirate's plunder, remarked Zav, his eyes lighting up. Suddenly, there came a sharp cry of, Land ahoy! from the crow's nest. They were approaching Red Port. The sleuths dashed up onto deck and leaned over the side of the boat, salty sea spray stinging their faces as they gazed out at the red cliffs, which gave way to the red river which wound its way inland. Oh, I love the way Red Cove and Red Port are named after the colour of the rock, shouted Milo over the wind and the sea spray. Look at those cliffs! There must be so much iron in them to make them that red. The ship weighed anchor and the children swung themselves down into the Golden Ram's longboat. Anna once again perched on Zelly's shoulder. Widow Hanlon clambered in after them. And when they were all nestled comfortably, the sailors heaved too, their arms straining at the oars. Red Cove was on the opposite side of the river to the port, but with Captain Jet's strong-armed crew at the helm, it was easy to row across. The children jumped out of the boat as soon as it touched the white sand, saluting Captain Jet smartly and shouting their thanks to the sailors, who grinned back at them. Widow Hanlon followed, weighed down with supplies, rather like one of the donkeys you found everywhere on this part of the coast, and looking very relieved to be back on land. She resisted all attempts the children made to help, simply saying, Go on with yous. You're here for the beach, and that's where you should be. Run off with you now. So the children picked up their bags and headed towards the beach house, its high white walls shining. They could hear the wind in the palms and the calling of little green parrots, soothing and peaceful, especially after the bustle of Sandopolis. I always forget how pretty it is here, sighed Zelly happily. And how quiet, added Zav. Sandy roads, observed Milo, much quieter than the cobblestones of the city. The motto, Familia Omnes, family is all, hung proudly on the wall of the house. The sleuths dumped their rucksacks on the brightly tiled floor and raced up to the veranda, where colourful hammocks hung, ready to be occupied by sandy bodies. The children could see the turquoise water lapping at the shore and the ships dotted on it. May holidays last forever, cried Zelly, and she spun round and round, arms outstretched and chin tilted towards the sun. Ahoy there, came a shout from below, and the sleuths turned quickly to look over the balcony, grins splitting their faces as they saw their cousins, Sophie and Sam. Sam was a year older than the twins, and Sophie was a year younger, like Milo. The cousins were very alike, with a riot of curly dark hair. They looked a lot like Zav. The family joke was that he and Sam were more alike than he and his twin, Zelly. The children pelted down the steps and out into the courtyard, grabbing their cousins round their waists and swinging them round. We've missed you, Sophie cried, giving Zelly an extra hug as the boys shook hands vigorously. And Ma and Pa say we can stay with you all week, added Sam, grinning. Zelly giggled, pointing up at Anna, who seemed to have found an exact replica of herself and was twittering enthusiastically. Anna and Demaria are pleased to see each other too, she said. Sophie was also a proud owner of one of the magical parrots of Flambeau, like her cousin, and the two parrots got along famously. Wait till you hear what we found out, Zelly continued, her eyes sparkling with mischief. Not here! interrupted Zav urgently. Let's go to the Barnaby tree. 
suggested Milo. And they did. They clambered up their favourite tree, an old gnarled mango with low-lying broad branches just perfect for sitting in and catching up on the latest sleuthing news. The children had been climbing this particular tree for many years and they each had their own favourite branch. Now, said Sophie, her eyes twinkling with excitement, tell us everything. The sleuths poured out the whole story of Vile Vinicius, his nighttime meeting with Mr Hewitt, the mysterious stolen cargo, the Black Cross gang and, not least, filthy Fernando and Milo's close shave. Phew, you have been busy, remarked Sam. But what do you think they've stolen? It's still a mystery, answered Sav. We're just hoping it's not Pa's power packs. Well, his cousin replied, if the cargo's hidden round here, it'll be to the north, as it's really wild. We can take you to explore a new creek we've found. Apparently, it used to be popular with the smugglers. If we follow it in our boat, it might help us to find the pirate's hideout. How did you find this creek? asked Milo. Old Pete, answered Sophie, he knows everything. Old Pete had been a fixture at Redport as long as they could remember. He had once sailed the seven seas in the steppes of Marvello the Magnificent and Ignatius the Intrepid, who had opened up the first trade routes for Sandlandia. There was nothing old Pete didn't know about the area around Red Cove. And the lucky star is ready to sail us there whenever we want, said Sam proudly. Well, if you're really going to join us in our sleuthing, you'll need to know the password, said Milo. Yes, good point added Zelly. The key word is elementary and the reply is my dear Watson, chorused Milo and Zav. Shh, hushed Zelly. It's supposed to be a secret password. It's no good if everyone in Red Cove knows it. <laughs> the sleuths all fell about with laughter at the thought that, in their excitement, they'd given all their secrets away. Grubs up! called a familiar voice, and the children raced back for the feast they knew awaited them. Bright orange crab soup was to start, which Widow Hanlon dished out from a huge cauldron-like black pot. Cheesy buns accompanied it, followed by rice and beans with some fresh fish that Sam had caught that very morning. Not sure we'll be able to sail in the Lucky Star if we keep eating this much, groaned Sam. We'll capsize her at this rate, agreed Zav. Let's read a bit before bed, suggested Zelly. Captain Jack got me that history book and there are chapters about the North and Frenchtown. It could be useful for research. The sleuths lay about on hammocks scattered all around the veranda. Anna and Demaria flew down to settle on their owner's shoulders, nuzzling Zelly and Sophie's necks. The only sound was the singing of the crickets and the hoot of an occasional owl out to hunt in the gathering dusk as Zelly opened the pages of an old, rather worn volume, its title in peeling gold letters on the front. A history of the keepers of the parrots of Flambeau, she read aloud. The establishment of the new era and the years preceding it. Uh, we're the new era, right? asked Sav. Yes, replied Sophie. When our parents all came to Sandlandia, they established Sandopolis as the new capital, and that was the start of the new era. So, times preceding it should include information about the old times, the children cried. 
The children looked at each other with mounting excitement as Zellie gently flicked through the yellowed pages. At last, she paused and started to read. Right, Chapter 7, Frenchtown and the North. The history of the northern limits of Sandlandia is one of violence, backstabbing and betrayal. Oh, sounds cheery, Sam remarked sarcastically. Shh, hushed Sophie. Zelly continued. No maps exist, leaving the area vulnerable to pirate activity. The sleuths gave each other meaningful glances, remembering the map with all the blank space that Captain Jet had showed them aboard the Golden Ram. Frenchtown has long been established as the capital of the North, but it has also been a hub for intrigue and revenge throughout its history. The leader of Frenchtown during the worst troubles in the last 100 years was Prince Percival of the House of Barbosa. Under his rule, chaos reigned and many terrible events took place. The House of Barbosa specifically targeted the owners of the Parrots of Flambeau as they were seen as a challenge to Percival's power. Sally looked up, horrified at Sophie. Both girls were the owners of Parrots of Flambeau. It was frightening to think that anyone could wish them harm. Zelly took a deep breath and continued. The House of Barbosa is believed to have united with the House of Contuti and harnessed dark forces in their attempt to gain full control of the area and wipe out any opposition. Percival, who is acknowledged as the worst ruler of any part of Sandlandia in its whole history, had a son, Prince Igor, who is believed to be following in his father's footsteps. Not a sound could be heard from the children, who were looking at each other, aghast. House of Contuti, murmured Sam. Those people you saw at the feast, the ones Princess Richenda's afraid of, added Sophie. Count Zuto and Countess Rosina, Milo said. The Countess who could see right through you, Zelly. Zelly was looking very serious now. Yes, she said slowly. And Princess Richenda said they were friends with Prince Igor. Another silence fell as the sleuths looked at each other, worriedly. And there's something else, said Zelly, gravely. They all looked at her. What? asked Zav. Slowly, Zelly held up the history book and turned it around so they could see inside. The final section of the book had been entirely ripped out. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more adventures in Chapter 7, Hector's Discovery. Want to read along? Super Sleuth's Book 1, The Pirate's Plunder, is available now on Kindle. Enjoyed today's chapter? Why not rate our podcast? See you next time.